It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Week 7 of This Week in the Big East for 2019. It's our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools inside the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara, and finally... Some movement, a little rumble from the jungle. That disturbance in the force that's out there means there's been an ever-so-slight shift at the top of the Big East. Marquette has moved in and surpassed Villanova at the top. Stop the presses. But is that slight shift in the tectonic plate all we're going to get with a couple of weeks left to go? Kevin, are there bigger rumbles still to come? Well, that Villanova has lost two in a row. Stop the presses. I mean, this is, it's taken six years, John, for this to happen in the uh, in the new Big East right, here. Right. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say we've seen this coming, but Villanova has really ridden the shoulders of Phil Booth and Eric Paschal probably as much as they can. Uh, they didn't have much help in the last couple of games. Uh, both, te- both guys struggled against St. John's, and it cost them. And uh, that certainly caught up with them uh, with a long night at Georgetown. Impressive win for the Hoyas. Definitely an impressive win for the Hoyas. So I want to give credit where credit is due. But what I think this shows you is that the teams that are best equipped for potential runs here are the teams that have some quality depth to them. No question. Uh, the the top-of-the-line guys will, will take you over the top. But these are the dog days. You know, they have to grind out wins, especially on the road. And I give Marquette an awful lot of credit, you know, that, uh, to, to hold off DePaul at home. Uh, I'm sorry, Butler at home. That's three wins in a row for yep. them. Yep. Uh, but boy, they have quite a uh, lineup coming up next at Providence at Villanova. So th- there's a lot of tough games left to go, John. All right. Well, while you're on the thought of Marquette, we've got three weeks to go until tournament time. A couple of weeks of the regular season play here before we get into tournament week. Are the Golden Eagles a team in your mind that can hold on to this part of the ladder that they've now just latched onto? I'm not willing to say yes. I think what we saw, especially Wednesday, in a crazy Wednesday, which I know we're going to touch on, this league is balanced. You know, uh, obviously Marquette and Villanova have separated themselves, but I think we've also seen that they've separated themselves with a lot of close wins. That can catch up to you, and I'm not I'm not convinced that Marquette can remain unscathed. Marquette and Villanova running 1-2 in the Big East standings heading into the weekend. St. John's and Seton Hall remaining tied for third at 7-7 seven and seven entering the weekend. Basically four games remaining in the regular season for just about everybody. There are still just two games separating third place from 10th place in the Big East. Final two weeks of the regular season could very well be as unpredictable as we've ever seen, based on at least a partial return of what we saw occur on Wednesday night this week. Perhaps, Kevin, we should call it Redemption Wednesday. You know, the teams that you want to count out and say, okay, well, they're not going to be in the NCAA tournament. They have to win the Big East tournament to save their season. You know, it's time to put up the white flag. Well, then Providence takes care of St. John's easily, and Georgetown maybe their most impressive win of the season, takes takes down Villanova. Th- those are two redemption cases, and I know two things. No one wants to play the Hoyas and the Friars in the Big East tournament. That's one. And two, no one wants to be in that Wednesday night first doubleheader of the Big East tournament because, uh, you know, you got to go to New York and say, we can play and beat anybody, and I think that truly is the case with all 10 teams in the league. What do we make of Xavier beating Seton Hall? Well, I like the fact that Xavier is up off the mat. That's three wins in a row for the Musketeers. Uh, you know, after a six-game losing streak. After right? a six-game losing streak, they, they, they take down Creighton in overtime. They really knock Providence around on the road. 
and then they get another road win at Seton Hall. Very impressive. In the headlines this week, after all 10 teams played each other on Wednesday of this week, home teams are just a mere 39-30 and 30 on the season. 45% of all conference games played this far have been decided by six points or less or gone into overtime. Marquette is ranked 10th in the USA Today Top 25 Coaches Poll. They're 11th in the Associated Press Top 25. As the Golden Eagles assume, for now, at least the top spot in the Big East. Villanova, after losing last week into St. John's, they slid to 16th in the Coaches Poll, 17th in the AP. As this week's play began, the Big East had five teams within the top 60 of the net ranking system, two more knocking on the door just outside that threshold for possible postseason consideration. So, Kev, what I'm asking here is, with at large possibilities now starting to take a little more shape to them, several teams still in the middle of these power leagues really throughout the country are struggling. Is there an opportunity for some, especially for teams outside of power conferences, mid-majors, low-majors, to somehow work their way into a dance invite? Well, I think there's more, more than uh, ever before. Uh, there's teams in the Southern Conference. Uh, there's teams in the Mid-American Conference. A uh, chance to get two teams in the tournament instead of the, just their the automatic qualifier. Okay. But I think there's also that, I wouldn't call them a, a mid-major, but the American Conference has two very good teams. I think everyone knows about Houston. Uh, they're 25-1 and one and ranked in the top 10. Maybe the most underrated team in the country just because we don't see the Cougars all that much. And right behind them in their league is Cincinnati. You know, Cincinnati, a former Big East team, always been so consistent with Mick Cronin around, and sure enough, he has another excellent defensive team. Well, don't forget, if you have your questions on your favorite team or any other team in the Big East, we'll get you some answers. Send them to us to use right here on the show. Hit us up on Twitter. The hashtag is TWITBE for this week in the Big East. Thanks to all of our Westwood One stations again for tuning in this week. And if you're catching us on Sirius XM, we welcome you. If you're on your commute, you're working out at the gym, if you're doing dishes in the kitchen, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, all of our podcast partners. Don't forget to leave us a review when you can. The beauty of the conference race this season is just like the weather in the Northeast. Wait a minute. It'll change. There isn't a team that doesn't feel like it has a chance to win when the time comes at the Garden. We'll visit with a former coach as well who has seen his share of these late-season changes, now trying to describe it all for a national audience. And we'll get some insight from a college basketball insider that knows the players, also knows the recruits. But first, we know there are preconceived notions about teams and coaches out there, like this team isn't any good or maybe that coach is struggling we'll talk to one coach who's slowly changing the perception of his team and his program as DePaul's Dave Lado joins us next this week in the Big East coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight every day the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American development model to prevent overuse injuries. Whew. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Biggie Spotlight. Max Struess with the ball between the circles for the Demons. A bounce to Kane off to the left in three-point territory. Alley-oop underneath. Struess, the masseuse, serving up the facial with the two-handed jam. If you've wondered at all about why your team doesn't seem to be 
I don't know, meeting your standards or expectations, perhaps you should consider the opposition, or maybe it's just tougher these days. The Big East this season does not appear to have a bottom to it or a breather anywhere you go, which might make the games fun to watch, but the coaching? Well, let's just say it's as much a challenge at his as ever been in this league. DePaul head coach Dave Lato joins us this week in the Big East. Dave, you guys are a big reason why there's some real agita <laughs> among fan bases, I guess, in places like Providence and Cincinnati and Newark. Is there a moment from this year or even in the recent past where you kind of felt like maybe your guys were getting the hang of what you've been trying to teach? Uh, what you're asking for is if we felt like there was a certain consistency to what we're doing. Yeah. And I think when you when you practice each day and you have a, a rhythm to it, both physically and, and mentally, uh, then you feel like you, you, you can build off of that. And I think we've been there a few times, but uh, what happens to that is that the other team has a lot to do with it, and, and they're looking for and searching for the same exact thing. And so you meet up, you know, a, a couple times a week with an opponent, uh, and, and you try to, you know, move on that consistency, and, you know, something gets in the way. It could be, you know, the, the matchups, because you just don't match up that well with a certain team, or, you know, the ball doesn't go in the basket, or somebody catches fire, or whatever the case may be. So that has stunted the growth of consistency, I know, for not just us, but a lot of teams in this league. Dave, I'm curious, off John's intro there, maybe before a game uh, in the chit-chat with an opposing coach or, or maybe on the recruiting trail with a, uh, another Big East coach, wh- what are you guys saying among yourselves of, about this very crazy Big East season? It's probably the same thing that, that uh, everybody else, including you guys, is saying. Like, <laughs> I, I can't believe it. You know, it's, it's really head scratching and as you said in, in the intro you know most leagues i can't say all leagues but most teams most leagues will have uh th- those teams at the at the bottom that you know will give you a breather or at least from a preparation or, or matchup standpoint you feel very optimistic about uh just walking into the game and, and i don't know that it's that case with any one of the 10 teams here that there's, there's a game you say you know what our life is not on the line here because if we don't play at or above our expectations that we're not going to win the game. And so that, I think, is, is shared amongst all 10 coaches. I think everyone realizes that DePaul is much better, much more powerful, especially offensively, uh, than they've been in the last couple of years. Do you think, do you see this, you know, your program as having turned a corner this year? Well, you know, I'd I, I like to think from the from the actuality of that word that we're, we're better. You know, turning the corner is is more about consistency than it is anything else. Um, obviously, you know, what, what goes on in our gym and what we've prepared for has allowed us to, to compete, you know, at a higher level with more consistency. At the same point in time, you know, this is a, uh, a business of what have you done for me lately, so you've got to continue to do it and you've got to continue to grow uh, in that respect. And so, you know, I'm, I'm the last one to think that I, I can take a snapshot of, of, of a game or a moment and say, hey, this is, this is where our program is at. This is where our practices are at. This is where our games uh, determine, you know, wins or losses. But at the same point in time, we've got to, you know, we got so much that goes into getting better that we got to continue to grow on. Paul Head Coach Dave Lato joining us this week in the Big East. You know, it's clear to see as well that the teams that have had some success are teams that have some experience still behind them. And while we've all kind of agreed that the league is a little younger this year overall, you've had some experience in Max Struess and Femi Olujabi who have and Eli Kane really who have kind of been your your backbone. But I want to talk about right now one of the players that's been a, a pleasant surprise for everybody around the league, maybe even the most improved player in the league in Paul Reed and what he's been able to give 
give you guys inside with his length and his scoring ability. Yeah, you know, he's a uh, a tremendous talent, just real quite naturally. I mean, he, he uh, as you said, he's long, uh, he's angly, he, he's got a really nice touch, particularly in traffic. He's got a tremendous nose for the basketball, which allows him to rebound very well at both ends. Uh, and he's gaining every day in his confidence. Yet and still, he's still a baby to the game because he's he's got so much growth potential, mm-hmm. and 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 what and who he'll be able to become, you know, when when uh, when he reaches that full potential. So, uh, it, the strange thing about it is that you know we we didn't set out to run a whole lot of plays and call his number a lot, and he still was able to and has been able to score a lot of points for us. And Biggie's play, he's been for the most part our leading scorer. Uh, and so now that we try to put the ball in his hands more, it's, it's a little bit more of a challenge for him because he's gotten the attention of everybody else on our schedule. And so they've seen different defenses and different double teams and things like that and trying to keep him off the board. But, you know, he's a he's a guy that works really, really hard. As I said, he's got natural talent, and, and I think his best days are, are certainly ahead of him. Reed is the one guy, Coach, that I don't think I've seen commit an over-the-back foul. Now, that may not be the case in your instance, but when I've seen him play, his reach has been able to get him to balls that don't normally happen on the floor. Do you have any idea what his wingspan is? You know, we, we, we took it early in the summer, and he, he's a guy that, that is at 6'9". He's got over a 7-foot. Uh, wingspan. I can't remember if it's seven one, seven two, but uh, it's it's really long. And then you know, timing for him is really important too. And he has tremendous timing, so he can get to balls uh, that a lot of guys can't get because of his timing, his length, and then his quickness uh, too. Kind of allows him to get there. And uh, I, I know some of our opposing coaches may want to think that it's over the back and. I'm, I'm a little biased, but I think it's just those things that, that happen there. I didn't see any foul, Coach. I saw no foul. It's called jumping. That's all. You know, some some guys jump better than others with long, long arms. A little bit of a follow-up there on Paul and and the creativity that you and your staff have used to, to rebuild the program here, uh, taking a, a, a transfer like Struess, uh, a fifth-year guy like Olajobi, and I understand you're really excited about your current recruiting class uh just a little bit about your program building and how things are going at DePaul well you know the the uh place we're at in and in, in recruitment across the country allows different things to happen from what was five ten maybe a little bit longer ago where you just kind of grab the best high school guys that you could and you develop them as best you can uh the transfer market is real it's not going anywhere so you have to investigate that and then the fifth-year transfer class is always something that can give you immediate help depending on the situation or the individual. And so we've tried to investigate all of those angles, you know, to the best of our ability, and it's allowed us to get a guy like Max, to get a guy like Jalen Coleman-Lands, and uh, we've got two guys sitting out right now that are really, really good. Uh, and then on the fifth-year market, this is the second year in a row where we've had a starting center uh, who's come to us as a fifth-year and, and been able to produce double figures for us. So uh, we like you know, the fact that we can mix and match like that, but you still have to have a core, and your core is usually going to come from development. So we, we like to think that, you know, recruitment at the high school level or even sometimes at the junior college level will, will give us that. Uh, but we just kind of figured out, you know, we, you've got to present yourself as best you can, as quickly as you can, as consistently as you can in this league because everybody's doing the same exact thing, and, and they all want to get to the point where they're really, really good and have a chance to play deep into the NCAA tournament. All right, final one for you, Dave. We've got a couple of weeks left in the regular season. Uh, it really literally is almost anybody's game. How do you prepare your team for going into a situation when you really don't know what that outcome might be? 
Yeah, uh, yeah that's, a, that's a, a good question and a difficult one at the same time. I think, you know, it, 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 from the neck up, I think really, really have to emphasize you guys about staying in the moment, you know, both good and bad. You know, last night was a crazy night where Xavier goes and beats Seton Hall and Providence beats uh, St. John's and you know, Villanova loses to Georgetown and we have our game. Uh, with Creighton, and I don't know if a lot of people could have predicted all four of those outcomes. Yeah. And so you got to you got to get up the next day, uh, win, lose, or draw, and you've got to prepare yourself, as I said earlier, without getting too high if you won that game or getting too low if you didn't because the next challenge is the greatest challenge. And because we're stacked up the way we are, you can move two or three or four slots in one night. And you've got to be understanding of that and be able to, to shake off a loss or, or, or absorb a win the right way emotionally as well as understanding what what's in front of you. DePaul's Dave Leto. The Blue Demons are one of three teams just two games out of third place with four games remaining. They wrap up the regular season with two at home, two on the road, beginning with a trip to Georgetown Saturday. Who's got a hot hand? Well, that's coming up next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot this week in the Big East? To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova, and each of us strengthens all of us. Who's hot? Whips the pass baseline. Heron on the baseline drive. Gets away and it's a land jam. Oh, Mustafa Heron. What a move to the hoop. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Player of the Week this week in the Big East. Mustafa Heron from St. John's. Johnny's undefeated before they met Providence on Wednesday night, but in a win over Villanova last weekend, Heron averaged 23.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, and then in a win over Butler, or season-high 28 points. So he averaged the 23.5 for the two, and we saw how important he really is to St. John's in having another scoring as well as a defensive option. Well, what's amazing is uh, two really good wins by the Storm with Butler and Villanova with Shamari Pons not playing well. But when you have someone like Mustafa Heron yep. and L.J. Figueroa, who I know we're going to get to, they saved the day for Chris Mullen's team. They certainly did. Again, having options, that's what you want to have. Big East freshman of the week this past week, Sadiq Bay from Villanova. 11 points and 5 rebounds in the loss to St. John's. Earlier in the week, he had 6 points and 6 boards in a big win at home over Providence. On the Big East honor roll last week, he's freshman of the week this week, and I have a feeling, Kevin, that's a name. Sadiq Bay, B-E-Y, you probably want to familiarize yourself with if you're going to follow Big East basketball or Villanova basketball in the next couple of years. I always like to go out and watch uh, the teams warm up. And when Providence was at uh, Villanova last week, I was shocked by how much of a good shooter Sadiq Bey is from the three-point line. He's knocking in threes in games now. Obviously, he's a big, strong kid, so he's always going to be pretty good around the basket. He's going to be a very good four-year player for the Wildcats. He's going to be that stretch four that teams love to have, a guy that can get out and not only rebound at 6'9", but can shoot the three and, and, and really make a big come out and defend him. Well, Jay Wright's got the conveyor belt going. He'll lose Eric Pascal, and guess what? He's going to have Sadiq Bey step in, right? There you go. All right, on the Big East honor roll this week, some familiar names. Kamara Baldwin of Butler, 24 
five points in a win over DePaul. He averaged almost 21 points, five rebounds, four assists in a one-and-one week for the Bulldogs and still shooting 50% from the field even though teams are targeting him. Marcus Howard of Marquette. Good grief. Marquette's only game of the week, 36 in a win at DePaul at 4 of 9 from 3. L.J. Figueroa from St. John's. 22 points, 12 rebounds in the win over Villanova. Average 14.5 and and 9 rebounds for the week. This guy is really coming on. Well, first of all, John, hats off to Kamar and Marcus, two former guests on This Week in the Big East. Well, that's true. It's because they made the appearance here that they're on the honor roll. Obviously, I think we know that. helps them out a little bit. But uh, L.J. Figueroa has maybe been the most consistent Red Storm player all season long. I'd agree with that. Which is pretty amazing considering the talent that uh, Chris Mullen has in, in Heron and Shamari Ponds. Yeah, Juco product came from uh, Odessa College in Texas. Miles Powell at Seton Hall, 24.5 points, 5.5 rebounds in a perfect week for Seton Hall before they're uh, lost to Xavier on Wednesday, but he did hit a big three as the winning hoop in a win at Creighton on the road. Kudos to Najee Marshall, also on the honor roll. Uh, He led the Musketeers to a perfect week before the win against Seton Hall, 18.5 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists in two big wins as Xavier gets off the mat after losing 6 straight. Well, as you know, it is the 40th season of Big East basketball, the 37th consecutive year that the Big East Men's Basketball Tournament, presented by Jeep, will be played in New York March 13th through the 16th at the world's most famous arena. It's Madison Square Garden. You can be there. Don't miss your chance. Single-session tickets for this year on sale now. You go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East for more information and to get those tickets. We will continue our look at some insight from the coaches by speaking with one who used to coach in the Big East and now analyzes the games for the CBS Sports Network. Former Providence and Xavier head coach Pete Gillen joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves, where passion meets purpose, where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at Xavier.edu. Big East Focus. Howard. Got it. Does he have the backup move or what? Think Howard ever gets tired? Man. Doesn't seem like it. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Crunch time has arrived for college programs all across the country. And if you've been good so far, it's all about continuing to do what you've been doing. If you've struggled, well, it's about finding ways to remain competitive, to improve, and maybe sneak up on someone when they least expect it. You do that enough, and you might still play your way into March. Former Xavier, Providence, and Virginia head coach Pete Gillen joins us. Pete, when you've been in these situations before with your own teams, did you handle them differently as opposed to whether your team was winning or even struggling? Yeah, every situation, John, is different. Every team is different. You know, a lot of things happen. I'll tell you one story briefly. We... uh, my last year at Providence, we lost, we, the year before, 97, as you and uh, Kevin know, we were fortunate to go to the Elite Eight. We lost everybody. We had the kitchen sink was gone. We had uh, Jamel Thomas and, you know, a bunch of other young men that were solid players, but not, you know, not superstars. So we played Syracuse. And uh, uh, unfortunately, with the Jim Beheim thing, that, that's terrible, getting back to that briefly. But mm-hmm. we were playing Syracuse. They played us at home, and they beat us by seven seven touchdowns. It was like 49 points. It could have been. It wound up like 27. So we had to play him six days later. So we said, hey, we, you know, we're going up there. So we changed a little bit. We said, hey, let's work on the triangle and two. 
We watched some film. We saw something that Denny Crum did with a triangle in two and had to attack a two-three zone. And we go up there, we're winning seventeen nothing. I don't remember the game. We were winning seventeen nothing. We wound up uh, beating them by eight or nine points. Corey Wright, two got chipped, came out. He said, "No, you look good. You like okay, Michael Spink, the boxer." I said, "You look fine. Don't worry about it, Corey. We'll get you another chip on your tooth." But uh, <laughs> so you change things. You got to keep adjusting. A lot of coaches put in new plays. But that's one thing that jumps to my mind is you know you and you know you, you got killed. You know, and then six days later, we got to go up there to the. Uh, the dome. I think it's the first time Providence ever won up there, mm-hmm. and you got to keep making adjustments. But you got to know your team. Pete, I'm sorry, I don't remember ever Providence having a 17 nothing lead on Syracuse. I'm oh, just, true. I, I know. I'm, I'm I'm teasing. I, I, didn't, I tell you what, I don't, I don't know who the president is. I don't know who the vice president. I don't know what day it is, but I remember games. And uh, uh, I didn't look at the scoreboard, John. I, I said, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I was kneeling down. I said, I can't believe it. You know, and. Uh, that again in Bergen, you can look it up. It was uh, 93-94, you know, and uh, right. true story. And uh, we wound up winning by eight or nine, but uh, that was a while. When I mean, just to come back six days later. But to answer your question, you do have to change. You have yeah. to adjust. I, you know, I, I think uh, Ed Cooley does a great job with that. He knows his team. He's got great instincts. Uh, he always finishes strong down the stretch with the Friars. Well, it's interesting you say that, uh, Pete, because down the stretch here, it seems as if some of these Big East teams, they're not qu- you have no idea what to expect from them, with the exception maybe of Marquette and Villanova, and we'll get to those two in a little bit. But a- as someone who's, who's watched the league uh, intently a little bit this year, uh, how do you make sense of a league like the Big East at this stage? It's unbelievable, Kevin. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, uh, reading the other day, it was like home teams won 31 Road teams won 26 at one time right. a couple of days ago. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then uh, Xavier goes into Seton Hall, beats Seton Hall there, you know, and it's upsets all over the place. So, you know, so I, I think there's no dominant team. There's a lot of very good teams, but there's no super teams like we've seen in the past, you know, at Villanova, you know, uh, at, you know, places like that. I don't think there's a, there's a super team. Uh, you know, uh, I had Villanova once at the ball, and they're very good, but they're young. they got two star players. You know, in uh, Pascal and uh, Booth, but the other guys are good. You know, uh, very good, but uh, you know, not great. So I, I think Marquette's the best team, but they're vulnerable too. They were, they struggle against Butler they're down eight and nine in the first half of our game last night. We had the game, uh, Kevin, when you were covering the, the Pats. We had a game out here in Milwaukee, as we talked about, I think, a few weeks ago, and the Friars could have won that game. They, you know, in the last thirty-four, thirty-three minutes, they're right there, and then Marquette got a little spurt and wound up winning by eight and nine, but. Uh, uh, I think every team is vulnerable. They're very good teams, but they're not great teams. And uh, Jimmy Lynham, who was a tremendous coach at St. Joe's in Philly in the NBA for a couple of different teams, he told me once, I never forgot, he said, every game is a completely unique situation. Anything can happen. You get hot from the three, you get cold, foul trouble, somebody's sick, fire rhythms, every di- different things. So uh, anything can happen. And it's more unpredictable, I think, in the Big, in the big East this year that I can really, you know, remember ever before. Former Providence and Savior coach Pete Gillen joining us this week in the Big East. Uh, you mentioned Marquette. Obviously, you had their game this week against Butler. What about Marquette, though, Pete, tells you that the Golden Eagles team has some staying power, not only to p- perhaps win in the Big East, but maybe do some damage in the tournament next month? They can, John. Good question. You know why, as you know, they're playing much better defense. They're holding their opponents to 40% from the field to lead the Big East in you know all games. And uh Butler like, shot like 41.7 last night, 42%. So their defense is much better. And I, I credit that a lot to that big guy, big guy inside, Theo John. He had a double-double last night, 15 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks. He leads the Big East in blocks, as you know. So their defense is much better. 
I think they were burned last year. They had a good season, won 20-something games, but didn't make the big dance. Went to the NIT, lost in the quarterfinals to Penn State. I think it was 85-80. So, you know, they said, hey, if we play D, we would, you know, we would have been in the NCAA tournament. So they're playing much better D. It's been the focus since the springtime all summer. And the defense is much better. Uh, and they got now, instead of just two small guards like that last year, well, oh, yeah, Marcus Howard's small, but now they got Hauser is really like their second guard, Cam Hauser, and he's, you know, 6'8", uh, you know, and uh, Adam really, I guess he's about 6'5". But, uh, you know, they're much bigger, more athletic now, you know, without the two smaller guards, and their emphasis is great. And, you know, with the shot blocking of Theo John, you know what he does too? Not only block shots, he changes shots. And when guys go in there, sometimes they decide not to shoot. You know what I mean? So I think there should be a stat of influencing shots, either rushing them or, you know, people neglecting, you know, turning down shots. So uh, he's a, a kind of an unsung hero, I think, for the Golden Eagles. Pete, uh, s- sticking with the Golden Eagles and a uh, player that makes, uh, I guess it's tough for coaches to get any sleep this time of year, but Wojo probably goes to sleep thinking, uh, just get the ball to Marcus Howard a little bit more. I mean, uh, how dynamic of a scorer is he? He's tremendous. You know, he can hurt you so different ways. Somebody can hit the three. Going into last night, he was 44% from three-point land. Right? And last night, he was last night he was 6 for 13 from downtown. So he's shooting 44% plus from three. He gets fouled a lot. He's like a 90% plus free-throw shooter. He can get to the rim on a bounce. You know, gets, you know can score in there. He's got a good mid-range game. He's smart off the pick and roll. So he, he can hurt you in a lot of different ways. And he has a tremendous step-back move. You know, he drives, he steps back because he's small, and he gets a little more time and space, and he knocks down that perimeter shot. So uh, he's terrific. But a guy, a long, athletic guy, can give him trouble, you know, uh, but he just keeps coming at you. Aaron Thompson, as you know, from Butler's a pretty good defender. I know the Friars haven't played Butler yet, but uh, Thompson did a pretty good job on him, but he keeps coming at you. Uh, and finally what happened with Marquette, they were not hitting their outside shot. And going into the game last night, they were 39% from three-point lane. They couldn't hit a shot. They were like one for eight. So he went inside. They got the ball inside to Theo John. Mm-hmm. Got it inside uh, to Sam Hauser in the second half, you know, and to Joey Hauser. So they're, they, got, they can hurt you in a lot of different ways. But they're beatable. I mean, the Friars can beat them, uh, you know, when they play them. I think that's the next game, Kevin and John. Yep. Saturday, yes. Saturday. Yep, that's Friars right. Friars can beat them. I would not be – no, definitely. I mean, because Friars with their long athleticism and Diallo, I don't think they'll have trouble guarding him. Sam Hauser probably guard him, but he could get him into trouble. Uh, I think the Friars, you know, if they bring their A game, have a great shot at, at knocking off Marquette. Pete, one more quick one for you here. As we get ready for the stretch run, if you could give the coaches in the Big East a piece of advice, what would you tell them? Oh, that's a great question. I would just say, you know, uh, every game, you know, is a battle. So I say get your rest each day because you're going to war, you know, every three or four days and get a lot of shooting in. The shooting makes up for a multitude of sins. Chuck Daly, pretty smart guy. So that's what I say. Get your rest, get a lot of shooting, all right, and put your helmet on because you're going to battle. Former Xavier and Providence head coach Pete Gillen. Time for a heat check from a recruiting insider as well as an analyst for those already playing. Fox Sports College basketball analyst and 247 Sports recruiting director Evan Daniels joins us next this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. 
Learn more at Providence.edu. The National Perspective. Rebound, snatched down with one hand by Justin Simon. St. John's into the front court. Right wing, Heron, a three. And it's good. And here come the Red Storm. It's a five-point game. Welcome back to this week of the Big East. And, yeah, we have arrived at crunch time for this season. But as college basketball fans know, there's always an eye looking and a finger pointing toward next year. And much of the talent in the Big East should be back next season. But there's also some newcomers on the way to look forward to. Evan Daniels covers college recruiting for 24-7 sports. He also analyzes the game within the game. For Fox, he joins us this week in the Big East. Evan, before we get your thoughts on the national picture in the Big East race, can you give us a quick overview of some of the new talent that's coming into the Big East on the horizon? Yeah, there's a pretty good crop of players uh, headed to the Big East next season. And I, I think it starts with Villanova, one of the best recruiting classes in the entire country. You could make a case that it's the best recruiting class that Jay Red has signed uh, since he's been the head coach at Villanova, uh, at least based on numbers. It, it starts with Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Brian Antoine uh, for Nova. Those are both five-star prospects. Uh, but those other two kids, uh, Justin Moore, uh, he was just invited to the Nike Hoop Summit game, which is one of the best all-star games and high school basketball, and Eric Dixon, um, they're within the top 60 players in the country. So uh, they're bringing in a particularly strong group. Uh, I really like Xavier's group. Uh, Travis Steele wanted to add some scores, and I think he did that. And Demir Bishop and, and Kiki Pandy is one of the best scores in the entire country. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to add post-depth, and uh, I think he did that as well. Uh, so I, I particularly like those two classes. And there's some other good players. I think Providence got a really good one in Greg Gant. I'm actually going to do something on him later this week uh, on Inside the Big East on FS1. Um, but I, I think that uh, there's some good players headed to the league. Can you hit DePaul a little bit? I understand this might be uh, DePaul's best class in a decade. It is, uh, more than a decade. And um, not only is it from a recruiting standpoint, but they're going to get a, a midseason transfer in Cartier Gordon. That's an instant contributor, a guy that I can think could start for them, uh, transferring in from, from, from St. Louis. And then the high school recruit. Uh, it starts with Romeo Weems. He's a top 50 prospect, six foot seven, long, versatile, athletic, uh, plays hard, just brings this motor, uh, lunch pail type mentality uh, to the basketball court. And uh, when I was talking to Dave Lato last week, he, he mentioned that he just really likes the edge that he brings just from playing inside, but doesn't let that affect the other things that he can do. He'll, he'll you know, a lot of kids want to play just strictly out on the perimeter these days. Uh, where he, he's kind of using his versatility and showing that he can do both. Uh, they kept the best player in Chicago home, uh, at least they think they did, and Marquise Jacobs. This is, uh, he's, he's uh, short in stature, about 5'10", but tremendous speed, uh, really good athlete, can score. Uh, and then they're bringing in another guard from California, and Oscar Lopez. Uh, so uh, it starts with, with Romeo Weems, though. Uh, that, that kid's a difference maker. He's won two gold medals. With USA Basketball won this past weekend or this past year with the U17 team, mm-hmm. also with the U16 team um, two years ago. So uh, it, it's a good group for Dave Leto. All right, so we'll go from the future now to the present. And, and based on what you've seen this year, where has the surprise really lied in this Big East race that seems to be, you know, a big two and then eight other teams that there's just no bottom, no no floor to uh, this season in the standings. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's jumbled too, and I think uh, maybe the biggest surprise is I'm not seeing Villanova at the top. I guess um, they've been a little inconsistent, and, and when they're rolling, they've been been awesome. Um, and then they had that game last night against 
uh, Georgetown, where they didn't play their best basketball, obviously. Um, I think Marquette has done a, a tremendous job. Steve Wojciechowski with his best team since he's been at Marquette. Um, but you're right, it's it's jumble across the board, and uh, we've got a couple league games left, and, and those league games are going to matter in terms of uh, seeding for the uh, Big East tournaments. And, you know, I know that, you know, there's probably two two teams for sure, likely three, that are locks for the NCAA tournaments, and uh, I know the Big East Conference would like to get a few more in. That next level down, every single game is huge with that jockeying for the NCAA tournament. I think St. John's, Seton Hall, and Butler are all, you know, looking forward to getting there. But boy, there's there's some big hurdles left. Uh, Evan, what do they need to do to get in? Well, I mean, I think the the easy answer is they need to win, and <laughs> I don't think the the St. John's loss last night, coming off beaten. Um, Marquette, Butler, and, and Villanova, three of the last four games, and they go and, and, and lose to Providence, I think probably hurt them because I, I think they were just trending in a, a really good direction. But they have four games left, Seton Hall, Xavier, DePaul, and Xavier again. Uh, as long as they win, I think two, two of those, three for sure, and they'd be uh, pretty safely in. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with some of the other schools in the league. You know, Georgetown, uh, I think, is, is – uh, obviously, that win over Villanova is, is is huge, and you know they're sitting at sixteen and ten, uh, but they've got five league games left. If they were to go three and two, four and one the rest of the way, and and get a win or two in the, the Big East tournament, then they played themselves in in uh, in position. Um, so there, there's still just a lot to play out. I mean, I think Seton Hall is probably in a similar position uh, as Georgetown up until that loss uh, at Xavier that they they were on a winning streak and and beat Creighton twice and. Uh, they got four games left, so uh, if they could win three or four and get a game or two in the, in the Big East tournament, then we're talking about them as a tournament. Uh, there's just a lot to play out. Evan Daniels with us this week in the Big East. Evan, how is this uh, mishmash of teams in the middle of the Big East affecting the perception of the league nationally? Does does this take away from any sort of, um, uh, you know, I don't know, notoriety? Uh, does it add to, you know, prestige? What do you feel like those around the country are looking at the Big East when it's pretty clear that uh, anybody can beat anybody? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's similarly, it's not the only league that's like that. I think the Big Ten has, has been very similar in that regard. Obviously, with the Big East, you've got two teams uh, at the top in, in Marquette and Villanova. Um, but the truth is, you're right. Anybody can beat anybody. And I think um, there, you know, it used to be that, that teams would pick on DePaul, but Dave Lato has, has got that team where they can beat anybody in the country, and they're trending uh, in, a, in a good direction. I, I just think it's well-balanced, and... Um, obviously, we got those two teams at the top, and, and the league as a whole would like to get a couple more teams in the NCAA tournament. So it, it'll be fun to, to watch how all this plays out, but I think they're far from the only league uh, that is like this. Evan, how solid do you see the top uh, maybe four to six teams in the country? Are, are those teams Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky? Are, are they the top five for sure when uh, when the bids come out in uh, in mid-March? Uh, it's tough to say anything's for sure. I think, especially right. <laughs> this year, and not just the not just the Big East, but nationally, any given night, you know, one of those teams could go down. You know, I think Duke has the most upside. Uh, then they lose Zion Williamson thirty seconds into their game last night, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, North Carolina runs them off their floor. Right. It's you know, it, it, it's just circumstantial, and um, 
you know, I really like the direction that Kentucky's trending. I think that they're headed in a really good direction. And, um, you know, you'd say the same thing about Tennessee, and Kentucky just blasted them. So there's just uh, – it's been an interesting season, and I think it's similar in the Big East and, and even in the Big Ten, which we were just talking about. Nationally, I think any of these teams could go down, and it's going to make picking – uh, teams in the NCAA tournament when it comes to like making your bracket picks it, extremely difficult but if I were going to say the teams that I think have the most upside nationally I would go with Duke and Kentucky as long as they're healthy but they're both dealing with injuries to uh, um, Zion Williamson and Reed Travis. That's Evan Daniels from Fox Sports 1 and 24-7 Sports. With just three weeks left before tournament time the games get bigger. Who's got next? We'll fill you in next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. Whew. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Who's got next this week in the Big East? Now Jorgensen gets a screen from Fowler. Paul with the ball. Paul in the lane. A floater is good! Butler takes the lead for the first time today. 66-65. 13 seconds left. And the kid from New City, New York, with the biggest shot of the game. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East. The road ahead could have a few potholes marking the way. Saturday, we'll see Big East leader Marquette traveling to Providence. Georgetown tests its chops after beating Villanova by going to Creighton. And the city rivalry that is Seton Hall at St. John's renews itself at the Garden Saturday night with third place on the line. It's pretty good games to tip off the weekend. The Garden's the place to be there, John. You know, last week, St. John's makes the Garden rock with a big comeback win against Villanova. And, boy, who's the game bigger for on Saturday night, Seton Hall or St. John's? I don't know, but I would tell you from my perception, I would say that it might be bigger for Seton Hall, A, because it's on the road, and B, because of the loss that they just sustained uh, to Xavier might knock them off a peg in the national conversation. I I would say so. They probably have a little... Less to lose, you yes. know. St. John's has yeah, a little St. John's more gravy. Less to lose. Yeah, but you know, St. John's, you, you can't lose at home too many times, and obviously that would be two losses in a row for the Red Storm. So That's right. Big game for both teams, no question. Sunday, Villanova goes to Xavier, while another of the late season first time meetings occurs Tuesday with Providence playing at Butler, and then next Wednesday it's Armageddon round two. Marquette plays at Villanova. I can't wait for that one. That'll be great. That's another game of the year type thing at the Pavilion, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, th- that's a game that probably merits, you know, the the Wells Fargo downtown. But uh, uh, Marquette, you know, that that's a seeding game for Marquette at this stage. Well, first of all, they can win the Big East regular season championship. Uh, if they can win that game, you would assume that would really put them in uh, that that extra you know half game half game lead going into the weekend. So that would give them a win on the road, put them up at least one and a half in the standings with what three to play. That could be the the yeah. push that they need. That's right, could be. And then uh, the other one that I wanted to to talk at briefly: Providence playing at Butler, first time for Providence and Butler to meet this year. This year, so late in the season, Butler really needs it for national perception as well. Butler may need a sweep of Providence because, as you say, they, they play twice in the last four games. 
to get into the NCAA tournament. Butler is a team that needs to play its way in, and uh, they probably see Providence as a team they may be able to get twice. Well, our Twitter question of the week, hashtag T-W-I-T-B-E, twit me. Uh, it comes from at Ken Lines, who says, besides Nova and Marquette, who gets into the dance? So, Kevin, I think he wants you to predict which teams in the Big East are going to be there in another, what, three, four weeks. You know, I see paths for as many as four more teams. Uh, I don't think that's really? going to happen, but yeah. I certainly see a But path, opportunity there, Opportunity. Right? I yeah. see a, a, a pretty clear path for St. John's. Uh, they need to win some games, and they have Xavier twice in their last four. Uh, I see a path for Seton Hall. I see a path for Butler, and I see a path for Georgetown. You know, Georgetown is a really interesting team because they have some marquee wins, and down the stretch here, they still go to Marquette. Great opportunity, you know, if you can win on the road at, right. at Marquette. Right. Uh, and, and they have DePaul twice. So they they could end up at that 10-8 and eight Big East record. And 10-8 and eight has absolutely paid off in spades for uh, you know, a team uh, getting into the Big East, into the NCAA tournament in it'll the past. Be, it'll be tough to overlook yeah. a 10-8 and eight team with wins over Villanova and Marquette. Can tell you that's for sure. <laughs> I would definitely. I mean, that would be a big test case, wouldn't it? Absolutely. All right. So two teams definitely go out on a limb. Who gets in? Uh, I would say four: Seton Hall and St. John's to join Villanova and Marquette. And but, opportunities for Butler and Georgetown to join. We'll keep it at that, and you never know. The Big East tournament. Is Somebody else truly completely different could end up winning the tournament. You know, it's interesting, John. We've been to that Big East tournament for. Thirty years—that's how old we are. <laughs> There's never been a team from out of the blue to come and truly win. One that didn't have any chance to make the NCAA. Well, I would—I would argue that the one team that comes to mind that came from as far away as anybody was UConn a few years back when Kemba Walker had him in. I think UConn was a ninth seed, right? And but, won, and but, won a first round game. They had to win uh, five games in five days. But don't you think they were going to make the NCAA tournament anyway? I think they were a bubble back then. Yeah. And then not only win you know five straight games, but they end up winning a national title. That was extraordinary. But that's the only time that I can really recall in 37 years of being at the Garden that uh, somebody's come from nowhere really to but win it. How about if a Creighton-Providence Xavier wins the Big East tournament? I, I mean, think it's possible. It, it, Any it, one of those three teams could get hot and win the tournament. I'd say the one thing you want to avoid is Wednesday night. Make it three nights instead of four. I think that would be helpful. Yeah. Not a dagger, but I think it would be helpful if you avoid Wednesday. Absolutely. All right. So don't forget, if you're looking for more Big East Hoop news, you can tune in each week live with Big East Shootaround and our boy John Fanta. It's available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and the Fox Sports Go app, and Shootaround featuring coaching and player interviews from around the league every week. Send in your questions, hashtag BE Shootaround, so you can be featured on that show as well. Our thanks to DePaul's Dave Lado, CBS Sports Network's Pete Gillen, and we also had Evan Daniels from 24-7 Sports and FS1 for joining us. Thanks all go out to the... Uh, Flagship stations at DePaul and Fox Sports at Georgetown for some of the sound taking us inside these big moments. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins and Matt Morrell and also to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us that review on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter. We'll be back same time next week. This week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, 
Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.